This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win, order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Watch and subscribe on YouTube and listen on your podcast platform. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Now be sure to watch Chris and Lester Till I Die TV by subscribing on YouTube and following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on you foxes! Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on and ready to go. Fox fans, how the devil are we? It's Leicester Till I Die. Welcome along. Uh, it's getting ever so, ever so much closer to the kickoff of the new season. <sighs> Can you wait? I know I can't. Leicester Till I Die, we are on Facebook. Give me teeth in Facebook, Leicester Till I Die, the group. Uh, Twitter, at Leicester TID. And if you are on uh, YouTube, and if you're not, please get over there ASAP. We are on Leicester Till I Die TV. We are nearly at the 1,000 follower subs mark, and we would really, really love to get to that. So go over, press me buttons, tweet me knobs, do whatever you want to. Just make sure that subscribe button is pressed. Well. Eight FA Cup winners. They call it the Community Shield. I like to think of it as the Super Cup because it is the Premier League winners and the FA Cup winners. So surely it is the Super Cup. 
We've got a special guest this evening. We'll ask him what he thinks. And it's uh, special tonight in conversation. On YouTube and your favourite podcast platform, this is Lester Delay TV. In conversation with... And it's Rob Tanner. Good evening, Rob. How are you, sir? Good evening. How are you? Um, I'm well. I'm I'm, I'm as happy as a uh, pig in the proverbial, as they say at the moment. <laughs> Fantastic! What a time to be a Leicester fan, eh? Oh, isn't it just? Isn't it just? Thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, you were at, uh, at the Mercury, you were the um, chief sports reporter for the for Leicester City, and you are Leicester City reporter at the Athletic, which uh, is available online. Uh, you've also written a book about Leicester. There's so much to talk about, and there's going to be questions popping up, I'm sure, about transfers and contracts and everything. But surely the Community Shield is our Super Cup, isn't it? Well, this is the interesting thing about it is um, Leicester City didn't recognise the Community Shield as an official fixture right. until now. And and, and they, <laughs> to be fair, they 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 announced they uh, acknowledged it before uh, the win yes. at the weekend. Yes. Um, and I think that that affected the Vardy stats. You know, when he whenever he, he reached a milestone, there were some yeah. national newspapers that said, "Right, he's, he's reached this milestone," and, and the club would say, "Well, he's one goal away because we don't really recognise Community Shield." But it's a trophy, and uh, I mean, one thing I've learned in the, t- the decade I've been covering Leicester City, there's yeah. until recently, there's not that many trophies in the cabinet, so it's great to get one in there. Isn't it just? And and as I was saying to Man, you know, I've obviously been doing you know preview and post match with Man City fans. As I say to them, if you lose it, it is a meaningless pre season <laughs> yeah. friendly to raise a bit of money. It's about fitness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you win it, it's a major English trophy. You know? yeah. So uh, hey, we could always. I don't know if you know anybody down at Spurs that you could have a word with, see if we could borrow their cabinet because ours is a bit full now and theirs is well, empty. Well, that's the thing about Spurs; they've got to win the FA Cup or the league to get into the Community Shield to have a chance <laughs> of winning it. So, and they haven't done that for a while, have they? No, no. And it was their year because it was like a one at the end, wasn't it? So it should have yeah. been Spurs' year. But uh, oh, it's it's nice to be able to. Uh, and, you know, you've followed Leicester, like you say, for a decade, but it's nice to be able to have this banter from the position that we are now in, you know. And um, mm. we, we spoke before about um, the attitude of some fans from different clubs and what have you. And we'll, we'll, we'll come on to sort of Madison and, and Arsenal later. But it gets me with the Arsenal fans that they seem to think that because they are Arsenal, that players such as James Madison would want, you know, to walk over broken glass with bare feet just to get to them because yeah. of who they are. I mean, all right, it's a London club, so it, it could be any of the London clubs. I mean, it, and they've only had one bad year, and it's like, you know, great disaster for them. It's interesting, isn't it, uh, the fans of the, of the, the big six? I mean... Mm. We've seen both sides of them, haven't we? I mean, there is an expectation. There's a demand. There is almost an an arrogance. But on the flip side, when the Super League stuff come out, that it was the fans of those clubs that stood up uh, against their their, their own clubs. Yeah. And uh, which I I found really um, inspiring and gave me a lot of uh, hope still in uh, English football fans. So, But it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? That whole concept of Leicester are doing well, and there's always uh, the praise and the, the plaudits from some pundits. But it always comes with a caveat at the end that, uh, you know, like James Madison, what a great player. He's doing wonderful at uh, uh, Leicester. But wouldn't he do well at Arsenal? Yes. And uh, wouldn't Yuri Tillemans be outstanding at Liverpool? And, you know, but <laughs> exactly. they're outstanding right now at Leicester City in a team that's been challenging in the top four for the last two years. Um, and But I don't think that'll ever change, unfortunately. And we've got to be realistic as well. We know that certain players over the, the last five years have wanted to move on uh, to other clubs as well, and uh, Riyad and, and Danny Drinkwater and, and Gola Kante. Yeah. So there is a realism about that as well. But I have to say, I I was very lucky to be invited down to the new training ground uh, wow. this week uh, with Ian Stringer and Jordan Blackwell from the Leicester Mercury. Yeah. And um, we were given a tour, half of the the site because the first team half of the site is still very much protected from covid um but what i saw unbelievable and if you were a player 
and that's your office that's your your working yep. environment day to day what yep. a place to turn up to every day and uh you know i can't i mean they might think the grass is greener at arsenal man united wherever but yep. they've got a fantastic environment to develop as a footballer at leicester city and they will yep. get the opportunity in the first team and they've got a manager who will give them the opportunity in brendan rogers how how far have we come from the days when Martin O'Neill used to say he used to reverse people out into Filbert Street so that they could see the calling stuff? Yeah, because yeah. As they backed out onto the pitch to that oh. now. I mean, it, it 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 it's got you know a hotel if they have to stay over. It's got the golf course ready for Gareth Bale when he comes to play for us. I mean, it it is just you know we we know. Like you say, I mean, this big six, it is very much, no disrespect to yourself, but it is very much a, a media thing, I think. Um, if not any media, but certainly a sky thing, that you know, the big six that will generate the viewers. will yeah. never be that. But I think the difference now is, and I mean, I, I'm 60 this year, and I've followed Leicester, you know, since, since my mid-teens. And we used to have to sell just to sort of survive. Now, we don't need to. No. No, we don't. And um, what I, th- I think about the development of, of, of Leicester as, uh, as well is that um, the, the, the attention to detail. I mean, we're talking about the training ground. I mean, we, we bumped into John Ledwidge, the, the head groundkeeper, who was working on one of the pitches at the time. So we went and had a look at the pitch and uh, and, and he was telling us about the, the particular grass seed they use and okay. some of the different things. I mean, that, that the electric mowers and the, the attention to detail to, at the place is just incredible. And that's that sums up Leicester City in this modern era, the attention yes. to detail. When they sign a player, I mean, I did an interview with Pat Sandaka and he said one of the things that amazed him was they knew everything about him, not just as a footballer, but as a person. They knew his background, his history in Zambia. Uh, yeah, the the level of detail that goes into it and the time and research uh, is phenomenal. And, and that is one of the secrets to where Leicester City are right now. It's that that attention to detail. I think that goes back. I mean, I remember sort of, you know, I think it was Cambiasso. I mean, you know, I still have to pinch myself when I think that he, I have seen him play in a, in a Leicester shirt. Mm. Um, I, I've seen him on, on YouTube as well when he had hair. And it, it's difficult to put the, we all used to have hair though, didn't we? You know, yeah. that's a long time ago. Yeah, that's why I wear the hat. But um even then, you know, he was saying like it was the fact that they kept in touch with them. They, you know, didn't let it, it drop. And it, it's I'm, I've forgotten the guy's name, and I'm really embarrassed now. Who, who does the transfers for us um, right now? Yes, uh, Lee Congerton. Lee Congerton. But it was and Steve John Walsh at the, and John Rudkin as well. Yeah, it was John Rudkin yeah. is the director of football. Yeah, and it was I mean, um, Steve Walsh who was the head of recruitment at the time, and right, it would have been yeah. Steve that does a lot of that personal uh, persuading of people to come yes. to the club. Uh, yeah. he, he's, he is a very warm, genuine character, is Steve Walsh. And, um, yeah, he he would have been – he would have had his fingers into uh, Esteban. <laughs> he would have been calling him every day, yeah. telling him all about Leicester City and, and in, uh, enticing him over. And I'm sure he was a major factor in him coming. And interestingly, I did a, a piece with Matt James, Matty James, uh, ahead of last weekend because he played against his brother in the opening uh, game of the championship season. And uh, so I did an interview with both of them and I was asking him about him playing with Esteban and he said, just helped him raise his, his game because Esteban never gave the ball away. So there was no way he was going to have to, he was going to give the ball away either (laughs) because he, you know, it it looked terrible. Um, Yeah. So interesting that, that, that that how they get these characters and how they managed to get him because he had a big impact. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody, again, if you look at sort of fans of other clubs and, you know, I sit here with a smile on my face when, and we, we, we joke, you know, said about banter about the other fans and what have you, but, you know, they talk about Leicester, like our, our transfer policy and how we get it wrong occasionally, of course we do, but, you know, the likes of John, I know, I, I've, known, I've seen John Rudkin and Lee Kong, I've seen them be slated, but, you know, they're, they're doing something right, aren't they? Well, let's not forget John Rudkin set up the, uh, well, didn't set up the academy, but certainly ran the academy so effectively. And uh, for many, many years, it remains his baby now. Mm. And uh, look at the players that that academy is producing. And it's putting the right people in the right positions. I mean, Steve Beaglehole is a massively underrated uh, person, I think, externally, internally. Mm. 
I think he's very valued at the club because what he does in terms of developing young players. I mean, I've got high hopes of Keenan Dewsbury Hall this this year. I oh mean, God, so, yeah. I've been yes. I've been speaking to people at Luton for a year, and they've been raving about him. Mm. And uh, you know, he's one of those players that apparently always looks like he's got time. And if you look like you've got time in the Championship, then you're going to be a player yeah. because it's harem scaring football, as we all know from our time in there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. so um, yeah, he he. I've got high hopes for him. But you look at Harvey. We had Ben come through. Hams has come mm-hmm. through. The, 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 this Ben Nelson lad, the Scottish centre back, they got high hopes yeah. of him. Luke Thomas, what a player Luke Thomas oh. is going to be. By yeah. the way, the temperament of that guy, he's ice cold. Nothing yeah. phases I mean, him. At nineteen, he's got tw- you know two trophies, which is two more than Jack Grealish has got for hundred million pounds. And, and what we worried about was when he made his debut. It was the perfect time for young players to make debut during COVID when the fans were away, because uh, yeah. there's no, none of that external pressure, none of that crowd noise that can affect you. Yeah. And we thought, yeah. how's he going to handle it after that? And then he goes and plays at Wembley as a stormer. Uh, you know, he's, he's he, the kid. Nothing seems to knock him out of his stride. So I've got high what, hopes for him. What other nineteen-year-old playing against Man United would have run up behind Jamie Vardy, who is Jamie Vardy, shout him to leave the ball so that he can yeah. score? I mean, that's the confidence yeah. of the lad, you know. And and I think bringing in, I mean, Ryan Bertrand is such a unLeicester-like signing, but I have been so impressed with him. Uh, in these preseason games, and he's just going to bring Luke Thomas on so much. Well, that's his role. Uh, yeah. it, it, his role is that to give Luke time because you can't throw everything on to, to Luke, especially when you've got Europa League, FA Cup, League Cup, yeah. and all those Premier League games and the intensity of yeah. them. And obviously, when they lost Christian Fuchs, uh, well, they decided that was it for Christian. They needed somebody with a bit of experience there with James Justin out injured. Yeah. Ryan obviously worked with uh, Brendan early yeah. on in their Chelsea days together. So uh, Brendan trusts him, knows him. And and from what I've seen of him, he's a very level head, great professional. He's going to have a big influence on, on, on Luke's development over the next two, three years. Yes, he is. But going right back then to the beginning, we, we were having a, a quick chat before we, we started, and uh, probably you know younger younger days for us, when we, but when we both had hair, but <laughs> you uh, you started sort of, um, reporting on Leicester for the Mercury down at the old Walker Stadium or Walker's Bowl, as it was nearly called. Two thousand and nine, yeah, it was yeah. two thousand and nine. It was the first season back in the Championship from League One. I'd right. um, I started my career and I'd worked in my hometown paper, the Tamworth Herald, and I covered Tamworth uh, yeah. for the best part of seven, eight years. And I really enjoyed that, going around non-league football. I got a lot of love for non-league football yeah. and the characters are in it. I mean, if you've ever seen the um, the comedy series Rovers, you'll know what I'm I, I, I see so much reality. It's like Spinal I, Tap for non-league football. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, live in, I live in Paul, so when I first, you know, and Leicester aren't playing... Uh, before I sort of got this involved, I used to go down and watch Paul Town, and yeah, it's yeah. great. I love, I love great atmosphere. football. It is it's very it different, is. but it's, it's it's very intimate. Yeah. Um, so I, I did that, and then I went and, and covered um, the West Midlands clubs at the Birmingham Post and Mail for a couple of years. But then I got the opportunity; I got an invitation to go over and uh, have an interview with the, the Leicester Mercury to be, be their number one. Uh, Leicester City writer when Bill Anderson uh, moved yeah. on to work for the club himself yes. and um, I got the job and uh, I, d- I didn't know a lot about Leicester at the time in fact the first game I went to watch them after that was a pre-season friendly ironically at Tamworth uh, <laughs> you know so that was the first time I saw Bruno oh, Berner you say against Barcelona or Real Madrid no, well that <laughs> would come later things. on I, I wouldn't realize at the time but that would come <laughs> later on and um so that was my introduction. Nigel was a very different character then as well. Nigel was the manager. Yeah. Uh, the club was very different. Milan Mandric was running it, so there wasn't a lot of investment. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you wondered where the, the club was going. And then we had that phenomenal season when they got to the playoffs and Cardiff and Jan Kermigan and all that. Oh, don't. And that was like oh, my no. first you, season. You said shiver down my back when you say that name. <laughs> but this is the crazy thing about the time I've covered Leicester City. Every season, there's been something happened. Everything's... Mm. I mean, yeah. if you think of that season with Kermigant, Cardiff, Nige departing. Yeah. Then we had the whole Palososa nine league game, strange. Then we had the new ownership. Then we had Sven. Then we had, like, for the first time ever, I, I was invited for a pre-season tour. We went to Sweden and Austria. And it, it, it was, everything seemed to happen. There was always a story. There was always something going on. It 
it's been remarkable. I mean, you, people talk about the Jamie Vardy movie. They could make a movie about Leicester City over the last 11, 12 years, and, and people boring, wouldn't believe it. it. <laughs> people wouldn't believe it was true. They'd think it was all made up. But it has happened, and it's all been crazy. Yes. Yeah. So, so your, your first game was against the mighty Tamworth. <laughs> that was pre-season game, yeah. That was the first game won? I went to. I can't remember who won that, no. And I think... Knowing Leicester, you probably with Tamworth, you know. No. But, uh... Yeah, there was... Uh, I can remember there was Wayne Brown. I think uh, I think Danny and Gesson had just signed and there was a f- oh, wow. yeah, there was a few other lads. Um, I think Martin Waggon came on loan. Yes, um, yes. So and he they, missed they, the penalty as well as Jan Kermagant, but of course that it's the Jan yeah. Kermagant one that always always gets remembered. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nigel Pearson. I I I was lucky enough when because I say I, I lived down in Poole and I went to watch um, Leicester play Bournemouth uh, when Kevin Phillips scored the goal and and uh, it was I think it was a season we went up and yeah I, I was that. behind the Leicester dugout and he came out and I, obviously the game was over a lot of the Bournemouth fans had left so the shirt had come open with the Leicester shirt underneath and he comes over and he spends time and he talks to you completely different to his you know on-screen persona of ostrich yeah. head and all that yeah, sort yeah. of thing but I don't know whether he ever gets the full res- um, respect that he deserves for his part in us winning the Premier League. Well, I hope he does, to be honest, because, I mean, I have to be honest, when I first started, he was very difficult for me to deal with. He was uh, very abrasive and he wasn't very cooperative and uh, we didn't have the best of relationships because he didn't trust me. Uh, And I think he had this idea that, at the time, that the media were the enemy. So everybody was tired with the same brush, but... I knew there was a different side to him and um, the way he deals with his players, the, the, the love he had from his players and uh, most of them anyway. And, yeah. you know, I, I've, and I've since then I've seen a, a, another side to him and I, I, you know, I, know, I know a lot of people that work with him still to yeah. this day and they love him. And I think he, he's played a massive role in Leicester City's history. Yes. Uh, he's been a, an, and so I hope that's never uh, undervalued um, in terms of what, what the, the platform the it's a lot of the stuff that, that they do now, mm. he started. I mean, all the sports science stuff that they did down the training ground, excuse me, <coughs> all the, right. the, the sports science stuff down the training ground and yeah. and all that, the professionalism, the, the team spirit, the ethic, the leadership, the players' leadership group yeah. that still still exists today with Jamie Vardy, Casper Spikel and all that in there. That was all he let, he uh, encouraged that. You know, he they the, him and Shaking that never went into the uh, training uh, the, the home dressing room, uh, yeah. the training ground. They left the players to police that. Any fines, yeah. the players policed. Um, so a lot of the stuff that's still going on at the club today that that started around that period. I mean, it was quite weird because we had got relegated for the first time to League One, and it, it's hard to think that you know one of the big games of that season in League One, the third tier, was Leicester versus Man City. Mm. <laughs> look, look at us now, but you know, and, yeah. and, you know, a lot of people blame sort of Ollie for that, and and again, I met Ollie because my son was a mascot one, one in, in the days of when you only had one mascot, not not sort of the twenty two they have now. But you know, I don't think anybody could have kept us up. We were waiting to go down. We were just, you know, we were sort of struggling in the water, and then we at some point we were going to sink. And unfortunately, Ollie proved what a good manager he was with Blackpool. You know, when he, when he took them up. But, you know, Nigel Pearson came in and having just kept Southampton up at our expense and he just, he was the right man at the right time. And, you know, even even when he came back, because, of course, he left, like you say, with the with the uh, mm. <laughs> moment and, and the Sven. But, you know, and I, I was worried because living, as I say, on the South Coast like I do, I've seen Mandrich with Portsmouth that he sold Portsmouth to probably one of the biggest con men that's ever sort of bought a football club. So when he said, well, you know, we've sold and we've sold to these Thai investment companies, you're thinking like, who the hell are they? You know, what, what's he doing to us? Yeah, we did this as well. We, we, I mean, you know, I come from the West Midlands where um, we've got a lot of overseas ownerships that have all gone terribly wrong. Mm. And, uh, I'm, I'm not, and you don't have to, you can look further afield as well. I mean, yeah. Uh, Cardiff, <coughs> Vincent Tan turning the bluebirds to red. Uh, you know, know. Uh, yes. so when they came in, we all feared the worst. So we knew nothing about them. But um, oh, it's been like winning the lottery. 
in terms of football ownership. I mean, there's so many examples of terrible ownership uh, around English football. And then you've got Kuntop. I mean, you, you saw it again at the weekend when they won the Shield, you know, the, the, the way the players celebrated with him, uh, as we saw in the FA Cup final. Yeah. There's a togetherness, there's a direction, there's a leadership, and it comes from the top. I, I actually, I, did, I think I did a post, like, if Colesberg did football managers, and I went, oh, they do. Uh, sorry, if, if Colesberg did football owners, then, oh, yeah. yes, they do. He owns Leicester. And yeah. Then, you know, it's bit, but I mean, even like when you come, to, could you ever imagine? I could never have imagined Sven Goran Eriksson being at Leicester. <laughs> well, that was that was part of their lear, learning curve. Yeah, uh, when they had Sven in, because they thought they got to get a big, high-profile international manager in, mm. give him loads of money, not have a, a like, clear plan of how they're going to develop the team and progress that way. I mean, we saw the, the development of the club on the other side. Um, but it was just crazy, wasn't it? I mean, I can remember being, as I said, in, in Sweden for that pre-season and there seemed like there was a new player coming every other day <laughs> and joining the tour. It was because um, Sven had this policy of having two world-class players for every position. Mm. The problem is that they all expect to play. So it's yeah. not conducive to having a really good team ethic, squad ethic, where everybody's pulling for each other. They're, they're looking out a little bit for themselves and... And uh, it was just too much too soon, I thought, and they didn't have a, a game plan. Uh, but when they got Nigel in, um, again, for the second time, yeah. um, it was back to the game plan. And we saw that slowly come to fruition. I mean, there were some sticky mm. moments as well. I mean, the night he was sacked and reinstated, it was... Uh, oh, no. Go on, what, what, what do you know? Go on, spill, spill the beans on that night. <laughs> well, they were effectively told... That's yeah. it. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah. Craig Shakespeare told me in an interview for The Athletic that he was driving to watch a game at Birmingham City that night, and uh, well, that day, and um, he got a call to say, look, brace yourself, it looks like we're going to get sacked. So he rung his wife and said, this is going to happen, this is potentially going to happen, so I can't see going first to this game. Before his wife. <laughs> no, he didn't ring me. He didn't ring me. Oh, um, right, somebody, rung him. somebody rung him. Somebody rung oh. him to say this might be happening. Right. And oh, right. um, he he rung his wife and said, look, I might be out of work here. So there's no point in me going to the game. So he came, turned around, got home. Then uh, he got a call from Nye saying, actually, it's uh, it's all, all okay now. And I think what happened was, I think um, one of the uh, the owners made a decision to make a change. And I think it was Vichai that, uh, that jumped in and uh, reversed it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that was a strange day, and it turned out to be a brilliant decision as well, didn't it? Didn't it? Didn't it? Just you know, and like you say, it was a learning curve for them because it would have been so easy after the Watford defeat in the, in, in the playoffs yeah. to have got rid of Nigel again. Then they, they feared it. They they were expecting yeah. it as well that yeah. time. They they thought yeah. that was it. The, the plug was going to get pulled yeah. after that Watford right. game, wow. but it wasn't, and and they were rewarded for that decision. That that next season was was one of the best seasons as a last. Well, at that point, <laughs> we've had a few since then. At that point, you know, it, it we we just we we they'd learnt from it, hadn't they? And we just pushed everybody aside, and um, of course got, got up. And we had then um, the Great Escape year. Yeah, and that was that. I can say I I know watching um, Cambiasso. I was there for the 5-3. I ended up in some woman's lap who I have no idea who she was that was next to me at the time when when, when we scored. Uh, I mean, that Man United game, that was definitely one of those I was there moments. And then it all went wrong. Well, the, the Great Escape season was incredible because every week we were turning up and thinking, they play quite well. They've only lost by goal. And they were getting punishing, punished for... Um, minor errors and, um, you know, little moments where they switched off and they were learning that in the top flight against Premier League teams, if you switch off for a second, you're going to get punished and you're going to lose a game. Mm. And, and also they had a lot of bad luck as well. And, and it yeah. did get to the stage where we all thought, wow, we better get used to another season back in the championship. But then, and this is all part of the Leicester City story, isn't it? The, yeah. That phenomenal run at the last nine games when Michael oh. Brighton came in as a wing-back, they changed the three centre-backs. Robert Hoof came in. On, on loan, and after serving a, a ban for playing a, uh, a gender sort of a, yeah. a identification game on Twitter, which he got banned for, which is 
Yeah. Typical Robin Hood, really. Well, um, it's with Leicester, isn't it? It's all yeah, about that, players, isn't it? It, it? it was just a phenomenal run. And then Jamie yeah. clicked. Jamie Vardy clicked. Suddenly yeah. we started to see his potential. <clears throat> and it was just phenomenal. It's just, as I said earlier in the show, it's um, you could make a movie about it. And that would be yeah. just an extraordinary uh, part of that. I remember me and my son had uh, season tickets and they say from where from Paul Lester, it's like a seven and a bit hour return journey. And we were going up every home game and driving back after every home game, having lost, you know, but my God, that feeling when we started winning and, and we, yeah. we stayed up, although it was the, the nil nil. Um, it was just, I can say that, that to me in that one season sums how, to, you know, being a Leicester supporter up, Oh, absolutely! I mean, yeah, the roller coaster ride. I mean, it's never, uh, you know, it's never easy for Leicester fans. It isn't. I mean, I know that they're, they're they're living in halcyon days right now, but uh, that season in particular, you know, you, you everybody was writing them off, and then to come back. I mean, that game at Sunderland, uh, the nil-nil draw, is one of the most boring games I've ever seen. But yeah, I, I was so pleased <laughs> to, to sit there and watch that because um, of the outcome, and they did yeah. it remarkably with a game to spare. I know. Yes. Yeah. It's it, like you say. It's 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 that's what supporting Leicester Leicester means. And of course, the following year, well, you know, we, we all know the miracle that happened, and of wow. course that that led to this five thousand yeah. to one the Leicester City story, which yeah. is the book you wrote about it. Still available on Amazon, everybody. And if you yeah. uh, click in, well, if you look in the link on YouTube. Uh, you've got Rob Tanner's uh, athletic page link, so you can click on that to read read Rob's uh, uh, stories, but also the link to the Amazon page where you can still buy this. But you did yeah. say you are doing the sort of 5,000 to 1, the revenge. Well, <laughs> so- yeah, we've got a revised edition coming out in October, and it's um, with five new chapters covering five of the biggest talking points from the last five years since then. So it's still very much the original book, but with five extra yeah. chapters. So that's coming out in October as well, just to reflect yeah. what's happened since then. I mean, the miracle as a one-off that season and that, that book um, features a lot of the blogs that I was writing at the time for the Leicester yeah. Mercury um, as it was happening. And it got to the, around the Christmas time when they were top. It was just before Christmas and everybody started taking notice of Leicester and I start. We start again. A lot of media inquiries from Europe and around the world. Uh, so the first thing they do is would call our sports desk and ask to speak yeah. to me, or, or one of my colleagues, James Sharp, was uh, covering the club with me at the time. And um, so we were doing a lot of these radio and TV interviews. And I can remember one around Christmas. It was an American radio station, and um, they couldn't even spell uh, say Leicester. They call it yeah, Leicester, yeah, Leicester City, and all this like. And I said, you wouldn't believe this story. I said, um, in the time I've been covering this, has happened. That has happened in a great escape. Now five thousand to one on course for. I mean, I didn't think they were going to win the title at the time. I just thought it was going to be one of those seasons where Leicester fans would cherish. Ultimately, yes. would end in disappointment uh, to to some level, to some degree. Yeah. And they said to me, "Well, I would love to read that book one day." And I thought, okay. Perhaps I should write a book about it, and, uh, yes, and so yeah. so we started working on that, and I managed to turn that around in about three months. Mm. And I was, I mean, in fact, I, the intro I wrote on the press bench at Chelsea after the last game of the season. <laughs> you know, that's how quickly we turned it around, yeah. and uh, while, while it was still fresh, literally, yeah. Really fresh, so know. I hope it reflects yeah. the fact that you know it's lived. I mean, that book is lived. The funny thing is, like you said, with the book and how you were contacted, I think as, as a blogger at the time, and I like blog for the Metro and, uh, and I did a bit in the sun and we were getting contacts from, um, like you said, all over, over the world. And I was sort of having to sort of ring another blogger up and say like, what are you doing on Thursday? Oh, I'm mm. free on Thursday. Or can you do a New Zealand interview? Cause I, I I'm, I'm double booked as well. I'll take that one off you. If you can do Saturday for me with Japan, like you say, yeah. it was, oh, there's so many fans who are doing that. It, it was almost like, and I've never thought of this, but I was so glad when the season was over because you could actually relax. Yeah. And that, I am, like I said, at the time I was what fifty-five, and I've I've always hated tattoos. And in a drunken Facebook post, I said, "If Leicester are top for Christmas, I will have a tattoo." <laughs> and of course, you should never put anything like that on social media. Oh Leicester, dear, 
Yeah, Leicester never do what you uh, never do what you want, and of course they were top at Christmas, weren't they? So I had to. I ended up with chat shit get banged on my uh, on my arm, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, looking at that season, I mean, yeah. at what point did you think this could be on? Man City, Man yeah. City away. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the first game in my whole career that I got caught in traffic on the M6. That I missed the kickoff of. I've I've never missed a kickoff for a game. I've always been there in plenty of time, and um, so I'd missed the the Robert Hoof opening goal, and uh, I got in and, and like I think we're fifteen twenty minutes in, and I thought I mean, it, I'm expecting a Man City siege now. Leicester have got their noses ahead. They're probably against the run of play, a set yeah. piece as it was, and um, but then I sat there bewildered as yeah, <laughs> I played them, and then yeah. that Mares goal was something else, and then Hoof getting this. Yeah. second as well in typical who fashion and uh oh it was just a, a great day and i come away from the, the stadium that day thinking you know what this is crazy this mm. if they carry on like if they can come here and do that yeah. uh and then uh, i think the, the other game was crystal palace away oh. and they, they went there i mean palace has not been a particularly great hunting ground no. and um they went there and they, they won that day and the fans just wouldn't wouldn't leave wouldn't leave the stadium and the, the stadium announcer, or I think it might have been the police, saying, thank you very much, Leicester City. Well done. We hope you go on and win the title, but can you please go home now? <laughs> yeah. And they're still there. Because the, the, as a journalist, we operate in mix zones after games, what we did before COVID. Yeah. So you go into the mix zone and you'd wait for the players to come out there changing room and walk to the bus and then you can ask them to stop and talk about the game. Normally, yeah. these places are, are indoors. Uh, but not at Palace, you know, it's literally an outdoor uh, changing room. Yeah. So I was stood there waiting for players to come through in this little barrier area. And all I can hear is the Leicester fans singing, we're going to win mm. the league. Now you're going to believe us, we're going to win the league. And it went on and on and on. And journalists from other newspapers, other organisations that weren't associated with Leicester were tapping me in the shoulder and going, what? what's going on? Yes. This is yes. crazy. This is nuts. Yes. And so that was a special day as well. I'm sat here just smiling because, you know, even talking about it, you know, as a Leicester mm. fan is amazing. Ranieri, when we signed him, I mean, you know, we know, unfortunately, you know, Pearson left us and, and what yeah. happened. And, and we, yeah. you know, that was one of those things that happens uh, at, at clubs. But, you know, we brought Ranieri in. Now, I can remember, this is another thing that I'm actually sort of quite pleased about myself here and pat myself on the head. I can remember doing a blog for the Metro and I've still got the link to it. If anybody ever questions that I didn't do it, I have got the link to it. And I remember saying, you know, you know, yes, Ranieri was coming for post Greece job and he hadn't won a title in his time, but he'd got plenty of second places, plenty of cups and what have you. Mm. And I said, if he can come to Leicester and give us a couple of second places and a cup and he wants to come, then you know, we, I think you'll, I think you'll be all right. Little did I know, obviously, what he was going to do. Well, you were, oh my god, what you know, like a bit like a Linico. Oh my god, what are we doing signing him? Or do you? It, it was a strange one. Mm. It was such a strange um, process that because I don't know if you remember Preki night. Do you remember when Preki, the American coat, the well, oh, former yes. Yugoslavia, yeah, uh, yeah. was suddenly the odds were slashed on him, and uh, he, he went into odds on to be the next Leicester yeah. City boss, because he had announced he was in charge of some second-tier American team. And he, and he, he announced, announced he was leaving. Yeah, he was taking up yeah. a, a dream role in England. Yes. And all the odds were slashed on him. And like we thought, this can't be true. We'd never heard of this fella. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then we tuned in to a live feed from his press conference at his club in America. And he was talking about this dream job in England and, and like, and they kept asking him about, is it Leicester City? And, he's, and he wouldn't say, and he wouldn't say. And we thought, this can't be true. But we were all glued to it, thinking yes, yeah. this would be so like Leicester City if it was, because, you know, yeah. expect the strange. Uh, but, it turned, I mean, I think I remember that, that Gus Hiddink was linked, Martin O'Neill, a return for Martin O'Neill was muted. Claudio Ranieri was actually one of the first uh, people to publicly put his hat in the ring for that one. Mm. And um, two weeks later, he was... Showing up at the uh, Austrian training camp, being unveiled as the the new manager. So I think they went around the reeking in the search for a new manager, and uh, ended up with Claudio. And everybody was like, oh, "Okay, this might not work." I and mean, he was odds on to be the first sacked. Yeah, 
He was. And the club, yeah, had, yeah. club had just saved, stayed up, and that was due to Nigel Pearson and, and the team spirit and the, the fact they were all playing for him and committed to him, and then he's gone in strange circumstances. So we thought this could this is a disaster waiting to happen here, but oh wow, <laughs> it wasn't, was it? <laughs> well, no, no, and I mean, I, again, if, you know, you were saying about the, the the American guy there, but literally, it was every day that you turn turn on your computer when you woke up, somebody else was being linked with the job. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, and I, I did a Photoshop and I put my name in at something like fifteen to one. Hmm. And I got all these things on the social. Who's this guy? Who's, who, who, do you know? Yeah. I mean, we were being linked with one man and his dog. But you know, it was you know, looking back, it was it was amazing. And we went on, and obviously, you know, had we, I think, stayed up and then had a couple of seasons of sort of maybe mid table, I don't think it would have been the story that it was. Yeah, but maybe, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, the fact that it was, you know, they just survived and then yeah. they got Claudio in and they were still the Tinker Man sort of uh tag that was attached to him. And I think, um, as well, he was he was nicknamed instead of Claudio Claudio because of his yeah. his use of English at times in the past at Chelsea, which was very cruel. Um, yeah, so it wasn't a, a massive, fa- fantastic vibe about it. And I think the players probably were a bit like that as well yeah. when he turned up. They were all like, well, what's going on? Should we just carry on doing what we're doing? We shaky and and, uh, and, and, yeah. and and they did. And, and one of the brilliant things that Claudio um, did do right from the offset was he didn't change anything. Didn't no. change the backroom team. Brought his own guys in, but he kept all the guys before. He didn't change a lot about the way they played. He just wanted to have a little look at it. He didn't speak to them too much when they were in Austria. He didn't get involved in the training. He just he left. He let things. He recognised that there was something there mm. that had given uh, the the chance for the great escape. There was a team spirit and a morale, and he fostered that rather than tearing everything apart and building it how he wanted it. Because a lot of people in football are very ego driven, and and a, a lot of managers were going and say, "Well, this is how I'm going to do it." and they start from scratch and throw everything yeah. out and start, you know, start again. But Claudio didn't, which was very, very intelligent. And you know, leading on for that, I think, I think, unfortunately, he probably did have to go when he went. As much as I, I loved him, I'd have his children. Mm. I mean, you know, we've got to be honest, what he's done, but incredibly you know, sad, wasn't it? it when was, he when he was. It, he started to make his own changes, a bit like Peter Taylor. Oh God, I can't believe I still say that word and not choke. But, you know, when, when when he didn't do anything and just left the team that Martin had left mm. him, he was doing well. As soon as they start making their own decisions, it goes wrong. But, you know, quarterfinals of the Champions League the following mm. season, I oh got it was, it was a, again, the dream was carrying on. Well, again, it's, you know, the expectation level, isn't it? After you've won mm. the title... The expectations go through the, the roof, and I don't think Leicester knew how to handle it at the time. I mean, they had suddenly had all this money, and uh, they started to spend it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they broke the transfer record three times that summer. Mm. Uh, Papi Mendy, Ahmed Musa, and then Musa. finally Islam Slomani. And I, again, I did an interview with um, Steve Walsh, the former head of recruitment, just um, and he was telling me about he he went to Everton to be director of football at that time. Yeah. And one of the things he was trying to say to them, <clears throat> he was trying to warn them against signing Slomani. And as soon as he left, they went and signed Slomani because Claudio wanted him. And it yeah. didn't. It hasn't worked out. It's in hindsight. So that was probably the area where Claudio, he tried to change too much too soon straight yeah. after that. He probably thought, yeah. wow, we've, that's just such a phenomenal achievement. But everybody's going to find us out now. So we've got to change the way we play. We've got to act like a big team now and, and spend some money and get some players in and... And it just sort of um, dis- disrupted things. But also, yeah. I think the Champions League distraction was a factor as well. Um, yeah. It was all new. A lot of the players had never experienced anything like that. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that, that became the focus for the season. And what a campaign that was as well. It was amazing for Leicester I, fans. I can, I can remember, I'm not having a dig at Arsenal again, but it happened to be Arsene Wenger that said Leicester will be an embarrassment to English football. You know, the coefficient, people, yeah. They were yeah, going to damage yeah. the coefficient. Yes, oh, that was it, yeah. And we weren't, you know, we weren't allowed, first of all, in the ICC Cup, you know, and yet there we were, Arsenal having lost 10 goals in over two legs. We were the last English team, or well, the last British team yeah. in Europe, quarterfinals, 
and I was there, you know, and this is the thing, I was there with my son, you know, I've I've seen, you know, with my son, I've seen us win the Premier League. I've seen us be in the Champions League quarterfinal. I've now seen us win the FA Cup. You know, I've seen us win the Community Shield. What we've done in this last seven years that we've been in the Premier League, it's just unbelievable. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what I found really interesting about the International Champions Cup was the the press conference. And like all these big clubs were turning out some of their major legends, you know, you know, I think there was like Perlo and all that sort of lot like, people there, and yeah, and then Birchy comes out last, <laughs> and he takes yeah. to the takes to the stand, and he turns around to the morning and says, "We're going to catch you up." And uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was just Birchy being Birchy, yeah. and but what that did, not just the title, um, but going over to America as well, because I, I was lucky enough to go over to Santa Monica when they were out there for right. a week. And I saw the reaction. And uh, suddenly, I mean, this is the thing about the big six and Leicester. The advantage they've got is they've got a massive global brand. You know, they, yeah. they, the Premier League is the, is the biggest league in the world. Mm. They're seen as the biggest clubs. So fans in other countries, they pick one of the big six. For suddenly, for, for a change, fans in other countries in America and that were looking at Leicester City and going, underdogs we like that yeah. and uh yeah. attaching themselves and i can remember being outside a sports shop in santa monica for um uh, the lad some of the lads were turning up with a trophy to meet and greet and um we thought well there might not be many people here i mean leicester city are not a big name over here and i remember driving down this the road past this sports shop and the queue for people to get in went round the block and in America wow. a block is a big big thing yes. it went round yeah. and round and round the back wow. and uh and they were there for ages signing posing for photos yeah. it was just phenomenal to see and then we went to the um the stop up center for the game against PSJ which didn't turn out particularly well but um in the build up to the game you know the the tail the 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 the, the, the uh, barbecues they have in the car park and all that yeah. sort of stuff yeah. tailgate parties they're called aren't they um that that they were in full swing, and there was a lot of Leicester flags, and uh, I think the Leicester City um, um, merchandise sold out in in minutes. Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I think PSG brought a lot more than Leicester did. I don't <laughs> think Leicester realised and didn't take a lot of merchandise, but it sold out. And they've yeah. got fan fan clubs now in in all over America to Leicester. Where I mean, you know, we, we've got Brendan in, you know, we brought him in and I know he left Celtic acrimoniously and it upset Chris Sutton just a little bit, mm, oh, <laughs> God, yeah. to, to say the least. Yeah. How, how, yeah. How's that working out for you at Celtic there, Chris? How are they doing? But um... well, the funny thing about that was I was on, I was asked to go on Five Live not that long ago about, and they, and I, it was in the back of my mind and I had an opportunity to say something because um, Chris Sutton basically said to me, he said, because we were talking about Leicester City no longer being the big six, it's the big seven. And mm-hmm. Leicester being uh, not wanting to be one of the big six. And that's the question he asked me. He said, do Leicester City want to be one of the big six? Do they want to be as big as the big six? And I should have said, yeah, but they just want to be a, a bigger than Celtic's reserves, Chris. And, <laughs> but I, I let the opportunity slip and I, I wish I regret that. I wish I'd, I'd said that because, I mean, I can see what he's saying about Celtic and their fan base. But yeah. um, it's the Premier League. It's a bigger yeah. league. Then Scott, we've League. got him now. We've got Brendan. We've we, that's why he came. We're still making these good signings. Where, where, where can we go? Where, you know, how, how far can this journey take <sighs> us? God, you never say never with Leicester City, do you? You no. would never have said 5,000 to one. No. Um, no. so no. I, I'm just enjoying the, the ride following the club. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. And that would be the plans, uh, for the new stadium. Well, not new stadium, but the new stand at the stadium. Yeah. Uh, with the um, what's um, uh, happening as well around the training ground, the, the players they're trying to sign, the recruitment process, the fact they've got Brendan in and everybody's predicting a bigger club or whatever, but he seems more than happy to be doing what he's doing at Leicester. And uh, uh, top four, that's the target. I mean, I know yes. qualifying for Europe would be still be a fantastic achievement for this club considering the revenue the revenue and the the, the budget they've got because it's yeah. not even top seven yeah. uh but they're they're challenging the top four um so it's a bit of still a bit of a minor miracle they're up there but you know the, the spirit and the attitude of the, the the culture at the club yeah 
uh, makes you believe they could achieve anything. It would be remiss of me if I don't, because everybody in the chat here, in the side chat, we, I know you can't see that, but they're asking me about this player, about that player. So transfers. I've got to yeah. <laughs> touch on transfers. I mean, yeah. you know, the four that I want to talk about coming in, um, first of all, at the back, because we obviously need somebody mm-hmm. at the back. Um, and the Quebec seems to be the one that won't go away. But yeah. we've also now Vestergaard from Southampton. Yeah. Unless you know of anybody else, but they seem to be the two that uh and Tarkovsky, of course, at Burnley. Yeah. Um oh, I, I would like to be honest with you. I think we need for me, and we've lost Wes and we've lost Christian from the back. I know we've got Ryan in now, but you know, Johnny he's he's you know, he's he's just over that age where when he's out injured, it's gonna take him longer to come back in. What about Gary Cahill on a on a season you know, he's free. Experience. Right. What, what what I can say is that um, they have they've been having meetings last the end mm-hmm. of last week, and they were looking at all their options. Um, Gary Cahill would be one of them, right. um, but um, they've got to weigh up what they really want to do. Uh, yeah. I think they're looking more domestically at this time. I think they want somebody that's ready to go straight away in the Premier League, somebody with Premier League his- uh, history experience, ideally. Um, Tarkowski is a difficult one because of the way Burnley have been approaching it. Um, they, I mean, he's still got a year left on his contract, but he's refusing to sign another deal. He would like to leave, but uh, Burnley are holding out for a huge amount of money and Leicester haven't got a massive amount of money. They're going to have to dig deep to make this deal happen yeah. because originally the plan before Fana's injury was just to get a winger in, a left-footed, yeah. right-sided winger in on loan. Uh, per, uh, or either uh, you know a free if there was one, but on loan because the budget. I mean, they they spent forty million pounds and they haven't sold anybody yet. I mean, yeah. that's you know that's the reality of the COVID situation. People don't yeah. understand. I don't think or, or appreciate, especially because the of the impact. business that our owners are in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tourism has been hit more than anything yeah. else. But yes. but also you know we talked about the big six. The, there is a difference mm. in terms of their finances. That global yeah. brand that I mentioned. That yeah. brings in a lot more revenue. And that's why they're still spending huge amounts of money. Mm. Um, Leicester aren't in that position right now. They've made, they've made so much ground on them, but there's still so much ground to make. So there isn't an endless part. I mean, I know I've, I've read people on social media talking about, you know, going out and spending £250,000 a week on Coutinho and things like that. They're not in a position to be able to do that. And I don't you, think they'd you, want you've to do that. You've broken my heart now. I've been dreaming of uh, Coutinho in a blue shirt. No, <laughs> I, but I mean, that, what they'd like to have is that, that team. What, one of the strengths and the, the secrets behind them is the is the the, the, the team spirit they have. And yes. I know there are players on different amounts of money, but it's not a massive disparity between all of them. Um, I mean, look, the likes of Casper and Vardy will obviously be yeah. earning more than anything in Europe if he, if he agrees to sign the contract. Will be up there as well. So, um, but they don't want to. They can't go and then sign somebody who's going to be earning over double that uh, yeah. and causing problems themselves because that's uh, and they it's wouldn't be able to do it. They're not in a position to be able to do that. Yeah. But in terms going back to the centre back, they want yeah. somebody with a bit of Premier League experience. Tarkowski, as I said, would be might be difficult, but they, they, you know there's been an interest there. Vestergaard might be the the one that they look at. Again, similar situation. A uh, year to go, his contract wants to leave, refused to sign a new contract. Southampton, Southampton seems to be that people are picking the bones off him at the yes. moment in terms of some of the yeah. players that they're going for. Uh, he could go for ten to fifteen million, but there's there's other options, as I said, Kale, but also loans. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Man United have got an abundance of uh, of centre backs yeah. at the moment. They can't get yeah. them all in. You know, no. so the, so then you've got the, the situation where United are probably looking at Leicester now and thinking, well, their arrival, um, mm. do we want to do business with them? But I know there's good relations between Leicester and Man United from the Maguire deal, which yes. Susan Whedon personally um, negotiated that one because uh, right. she got on really well with the, the hierarchy at United. So um, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to go to the wire as well. I don't, I don't think we're going to mm. have anything... Absolutely. I, mean, I know people talk about Kabak and, and Demiral uh, yeah. and these types of, of players, but they're a bit of a gamble, you know, in the situation that Leicester are in because they'd need time to acclimatise. I mean, yeah. we saw with Cengiz Under, there's no guarantees when you get a player coming that into was, the country. That was such a big disappointment for me because I, I, I had such high hopes and it just it didn't happen. It, it happens like that. Kabak, 
I do worry because, you know, Liverpool haven't signed him when they were offered him. He's virtually available on a free now almost, and they still don't want him. That's what worries me. (laughs) Yeah. I can say, you know, it it, it is the priority now is that centre-back. Oh, absolutely. And that Fafana injury... I mean, I, I've felt so positive in, in pre-season. The, the performance mm. in the first half against Villarreal, certainly the performance of the first half uh, against Man City as well, I thought that was fantastic mm. football. They looked sharp. They looked like they were playing with a pattern. There was a purpose about them. I thought they were going into the season in great shape. That injury to Fafana has just really upset everything. And it's certainly changed how they're looking to, do, to operate in the transfer market now for the last three weeks. So I don't think they were planning... I'm, I'm bringing in a, a centre back right now, but now they have to. But it, it's a case of um, seeing who who is available, who's willing, who's willing to sell. It, it, it's so many variants. I mean, I, I think yeah. f- some fans look at it in a simplistic way and think that you, if you know, if you want a centre back, to go out and spend X amount of money and you'll get one. You know, yeah. there's so many different variants. There's so many dominoes that are lined up this time in, of year in the transfer window. As you know, as we saw in the last transfer window, you know, when Hamza was going to go to, uh, I think it was Newcastle, Newcastle. and um, Chalabar was going to come in. It was all a, a game of of, of um, dominoes. One had yeah. to fall before the others could do and it, none of them did in the end. So these things can happen, but I think they're quite confident they're going to get somebody in, but they're going to have mm-hmm. to dig deep for it. Yeah. Right wing is is possibly that sort of having to take a back burner now. Maybe once Castagna's fit, we'll have more of an option down that side with him and Piera. Again, I've got to ask you. I mean, Tillemans Liverpool, indeed, Man United, Madison Arsenal. Oh, that's no. I don't think any of those. I don't think. I know every summer they've sold one Mm. player. Yeah. Um, and and we've sort of known going into the transfer window that um who that's going to be. We knew Maguire to United. We knew a year before. We knew Mares Man City. We knew a year before. And Golo Kante, we didn't know because he had a, a release clause in his contract. Yeah, and yeah. as far as I was aware, they haven't put a release clause in the contract since. No, Because uh, no, that really, yes. yeah, they've yeah. learned. They've learned as yeah. they, they've gone on. Yeah. Um, you know, Ben Chill, where we knew, we knew around Christmas mm. that Ben was going right. to probably end up at Chelsea. I've not, heard too much concrete stuff about any of them leaving. I know there's a lot of chat about Madison to Arsenal and I've had a lot of Arsenal fans on social media uh, having a dig at me because um, and Brendan backed it up because I said there's been no contact from Arsenal to Leicester and Brendan said it in the last press conference as well. Mm. As far as he's aware, nobody's coming from Madison. They might be interested at Arsenal and people around Arsenal they'll probably be um, talking about it that Arsenal admire Madison. But it's going to cost a lot of money to get James Madison out. Yeah. And as I said, you know, you look around the environment, Leicester City, James Madison, he's going to be an important player for Leicester this season. He's going to play uh, on a regular basis. He was on the verge of, of the England squad before his hip injury flared up again. Yeah. You look at the environment that he's working in, at the training, new training ground, stuff like that. It would be a big tempter for him to go. And, and I don't know whether he'd be tempted or not, but um, as far as I'm aware, Leicester are quite, relaxed about the situation. Tielemans to Liverpool, again, I don't think anything has happened on that. Yeah. And uh, But I've spoken to his agents uh, and they say he's happy at Leicester. He loves working with Brendan. Um, <laughs> but there's always that yeah, caveat. There's but, always a but, isn't there? Yes. But, you know, he wants to play at the highest level and that's the Champions League. Well, of course, of course. Uh, I mean, you know, it's good. People said, oh, because we didn't finish in the top four, we wouldn't be able to attract the top players. And yet two of the three signings we made are both come from clubs that would qualify for the Champions League in one mm. form or another. Um, yeah. But what I think about Leicester now is, and somebody said, oh, you're a selling club. And I went, oh, we're not a selling club. Yeah, you've got to sell somebody every year. And I went, yeah, because you've got clubs like the big ones, if you like, that come in and make us ridiculous offers. Because any, any, you know, we've seen Grealish. We're going to possibly see with Kane if the money's right. A player is for sale. Yeah. You know? that's the reality it, of the situation. On our terms, <laughs> that's the reality of the situation. Mm. Leicester know that, and that's why they try and protect themselves with contracts. Yeah. They try to get their best young players on long-term contracts. So, if a situation comes along where a club does offer a ridiculous amount of money, like the Maguire situation, because Maguire United were in for Maguire before he signed that new deal. And that strengthened Leicester's hand 
Because obviously he he was then looking at, well, I'm going to get a bigger wage for a short yeah. period of time and I'm still going to get potentially my move to, to United, which he did get. It just meant that um, Leicester were in a stronger position to negotiate with United. And I think that's what they're trying to get themselves into the situation with with uh, Tielemans. Mm. And if you look at the Diddy and, and all the, the other lads that are on have signed new deals, even though they had several years left on their old deals, it, it's just to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, for, in those situations, so they've got they're in the strongest bargaining position they can be, and the reality is clubs will come in for their players, yeah, and you know there will be interest. I mean, this, the pandemic at the moment has changed things a little bit, but I, I think they're always and they're always looking ahead. Oh, but for mm. example, Samari's come in now. He's probably um, somebody that um, would be a, a replacement for Nididi. If somebody came in yeah. for Nididi and offered seventy million pounds for him, they've got. Somebody who's ready made to, to step in. I mean, when Ben Chilwell moved on, they, they, they thought, well, let's try and bring well James Justin, uh, yeah. Luke Thomas. They were trying to think ahead. They always try and we think had ahead. We had you for Maguire, didn't we? Because yeah. he'd been here a year before. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So they're always trying to think ahead mm. a little bit. I mean, when Maguire, they got in two players. They had Siunchu and Benkovic to see which one was going to yeah. be the fit. Siunchu yeah. turns out he was the fit. Um, Benkovic, I don't, I don't know what's really. I honestly don't know what's happened with, with that because, you know, he came with a reputation of being a, a, a promising young defender, and he hasn't really done it. But... Brendan loved him at Celtic, but obviously he doesn't see him as a Premier League player. No, exactly, and it's a big difference there. Yes. Yeah. But Rob, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for for, for coming on. Your book, it is available on Amazon. I say the link to the book is in the YouTube um, description, and also the link to your uh, the Athletic page. You've got, I say, the the, the five thousand to one plus book coming out. Uh, when is that due out? It's in October. I haven't got an exact date at the moment, but um, uh, yeah, hopefully all being well, that will be out and uh, and. Uh, the fans might enjoy that. Well, we'd be great to have you back on and we'll give that a bit of a push when it comes out if, you, if you're interested. Thank well, you. It's your private time, so I really do appreciate you giving up this no, time. No, anytime. And, uh, and fill it in. Really do appreciate it. Stay safe. All the best to you, uh, all, all your friends and family. And I say I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very, very, very much. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. Thanks to Rob there. Um, what a nice guy. Oh, Hey, so mm, when he said, uh, "Let me just uh, let me just get rid of this," um, he's uh, where do we go? Honestly, you know, I used to I used to be good at this. <laughs> yeah, right. Never said nobody ever. Um, do you know what I said to him? Uh, indeed, and he went. Mm -mm. I said to him Tillemans, and he went. Mm -mm. And I went to Madison, and he went. Mm -mm. Who knows? Never say never, of course. And if somebody comes in, put the money on the table. And that's the difference. You see, if we sell now, we sell when on our terms. And that is the big difference. But hey, it, we could, who knows what the future The future is bright. The future is blue. We've got this coming up at the weekend. The Premier League is back. And we've got it all covered here on Leicester Till I Die TV. Subscribe. It is back on Saturday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to have the preview shows. Post-match Saturday, we'll be back. And then on Monday, we'll be talking to a Wolves fan and looking back at the game. Uh, and then they sound a bit worried. Guys, that was a great chat. My 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 great thanks to Rob for coming on. Like I say, subscribe to The Athletic. I've actually written a piece for The Athletic about racism in football. That's available still. Brilliant, brilliant value for money. It's a great read. Better than a lot of the red tops. Mm, that's a lie, actually. Probably better than all the red tops. So uh, give it a read. The Athletic, uh, obviously, online there. Uh, I will see you in about 10 minutes uh, on on uh, on a chat with uh, with my uh, Man United friend, um, Keane. Uh, named after Roy Keane. Um, shame his dad didn't like Wambasaka. Good night. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Be sure to watch... Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and follow all their social media platforms for all the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club. Thanks for watching Leicester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time.
to an end. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, suggestions or feedback, head over right now to Twitter and Facebook and like, share and get involved. Join us next time. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? A participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.